Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it for Jesus one more time across this place. Man, we, awesome, awesome. We are so excited that you guys are here. Take a look around this room, man. We're in the middle of July, and uh, some churches uh, aren't able to do this, but you look around, there's some amazing people in this room. We're packing this place out. And so give yourselves a hand for showing up today, man. You guys look great. For those of you that are at home, well, anyways, all right, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you guys, too. And so, listen, we're in the summer at TC Series, and, uh, and we're so excited about what God is doing and, and how he's been moving and, and uh, how he's been helping people. And so today, we just want to continue that journey about walking this way. There, there's a way that God wants us to live. And I'm not talking about your actions or, or sin, even though God does have a desire around how we should be living in those ways as well, resisting temptations. But today, I actually want to talk to you about something that, if we're all honest, we could all use a little more of, and that's joy, right? Now, anyone in the room, sunrise watchers? Anybody here, like you like to watch the sunrise, right? Some of you guys are like, no, no. If I'm watching the sunrise, something went terribly wrong, right? So uh, I'm, I'm a sunrise watcher. If I can get up early enough, I'm a sunrise watcher. How many I know some days that's just, you know, whatever. But um, I like watching the sunrise. And here's one thing I noticed about the sunrising is that a lot of times, or not a lot of times, always, you get to see that the sun is coming up way before it gets there, right? Like there's the, there's the hue and the glow and like, and, and honestly, there are some moments I'm like, is the sun even going to show up? Like the whole sky's orange, but we haven't seen the sun yet. It's like, it's coming and it's coming and you're sitting there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get another cup of coffee and wait on, you know, God to bring the sun up over these hills. And finally it, it shows up and as it shows up, uh, you're like, okay, there it is. And the day continues, and then we all, you know, do stuff. And, and then the rest of you wake up around that time. Uh, but as it happens, one of the things I've noticed is how many of us feel about waiting on that sun to rise is kind of how many of us feel about the joy that we do or don't have in our lives. I think for a lot of people, there's like indicators that joy could be coming, but we don't actually ever see it in our lives. So like we, we feel like, oh man, I really feel like I can see where it's missing. I can see where I wish I had this going on. I, I hope that it's coming. I, can, I, I feel kind of a glow coming. But many of us never actually see joy show up in our lives the way God wants it to. And, and sometimes it's because our joy gets tested in Jesus' name. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Wait, uh, last, uh, yesterday, not last, yesterday, some of us went tubing down Blackwater River. I don't know if you paid attention to the weather yesterday. But uh, Blackwater River is not where you wanted to be during the lightning storm that rolled through. I kid you not. There was like 15 of us floating down Black for the first hour. Gorgeous. I got a sunburn on my shoulders for the one- first hour we were out there. Second hour, you're like, oh, man, it's getting a little breezy and we got some overcast, which I wasn't mad at because it was hot. Right. And so I was like, and then all of a sudden we hear this in the sky a ways off. And I'm like, hmm. And uh, because, again, I don't know if you've ever been on the river. There is no getting off of the river once you get on the river. You are permanently there until the river ends at the spot you stop at, which is about three hours away. And so we're going down the river, and all of a sudden, lightning starts popping off in the distance. And I'm like, you know what? That's pretty far away. I'm not that worried about it. 
kind of, right? So I'm like, not that worried about it. It's pretty far away. No big deal. And then it got closer, and then it got closer, and then it started raining on us, and people started running out of the river to not get wet by the rain. Some of y'all didn't. Never mind. So, so then all of a sudden, I kid you not, about 100 yards away, giant lightning bolt. Bam. Thunder rip, kind of like hit so hard, it hit you in the chest. And you're like, right. And at that moment, it was like, all right, now what do you do? Do you go into the trees? Or do you stay on the water? For the record, if you went to public school system, both of those are a bad thing. Okay, so, like, so we're, which I did for the record. All right, so, uh, but like, so we're like, and then someone was like, we got to get out of here. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're so far away, there's not a car wash or a Dollar General in sight. You know what I'm saying? Like, Anyway, so we, but God safely guided us to the end, and uh, we're here. Praise God in Jesus' name. So, um, but I said all that to say is, how many guys know sometimes we end up in situations where our joy gets tested? Like, we're genuinely, like, but, but here's what I've realized, and I think a lot of people, we, we, we take joy and we put it in a circumstantial situation because we think circumstances dictate joy. We think if we could get the right things at the right time with the right people in the right place, we could have joy. But I'm going to tell you, joy has nothing to do with the right times and the right people in the right places. Joy is something on the inside, not something that happens on the outside. In Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, the prophet Isaiah is speaking, and he's actually making a declaration that Jesus is going to make later. So he's kind of foretelling something that Jesus is actually going to come and fulfill later on. But he says this, and I want us to read it because I want us to see, if you can read it, you'll see what God's desire for us really looks like. And he says this, for the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, not the poor as in financially, the poor as in those that are without. In other words, I, he came, I, he wants me to preach good news to those that are without the hope of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, and the peace of Jesus. So it's not for those that don't have any money. It's for those that don't have all the things God wants you to have, including Jesus on the inside, right? So, so he wants us to preach good news to the poor, but then he goes on to say, and he, this is what he wants him to do. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring freedom for the captives. Anybody ever felt like you were in bondage? Anyone felt like you were captives? Anyone felt like you were brokenhearted, right? And the release from darkness for the prisoners, right? And then this is what he wants to give you. And I think this is amazing to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And if you don't know this in the Old Testament, what would happen is when someone was in mourning or when someone was in loss, they would actually take ashes and they would rub it all over them. They would cover their body with ashes as a way of letting everybody know that they were in a state of mourning. We don't need ashes now because we have social media. <laughs> so anybody can just, life's really hard right now, gas station ran out of Coke Zero, whatever, right? So, But... In all seriousness, that was a way of letting them know. And what God, what God was saying through the prophet Isaiah, who Jesus would ultimately fulfill that prophecy was, I've come that even though you live in a place where mourning could be constant, I can give you, I, I don't just want to take away the mourning of your life. I actually want to replace it with something. So it's not just that I don't want you to be sad. I actually want to put a crown of beauty where there could be ashes in your life. And then he goes on to say, the oil of, say that word with me, joy instead of mourning. 
and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness and despair. Notice he didn't say you wouldn't have any of those things. He didn't say you wouldn't have despair, you wouldn't have heaviness, you wouldn't have mourning. He said, I just want to give you something to be better than those things. I want to give you something to replace those things in your life. I want to have, give you joy. And this is what he says, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, which means God's ultimate desire in doing all of this isn't just for you. It's that he would be glorified at the fact that even though you've gone through so much, you could still have joy and enough joy that you can impact the people around you. So when you're living your life, if you could live your life with joy and you could show people that despite what you're going through, joy is still on the inside, people would look at you and they would know how good God is because of how good you're being despite what you're going through. And that's how God is glorified in us, even when we're going through hard things, right? So that's what, the, that's what he wants for us. And, and I want to go back to verse 3, because he says this, and I just want to read again, to give them the oil of joy for mourning. Say joy. joy. Turn to your neighbor and say joy. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what he wants to give us. So right out of the gate, I want you to understand something about joy. Having joy is a spiritual experience. Having joy is a spiritual experience. It's not about the right people in the right place at the right time doing the right things. Joy isn't about your kids getting their mind together, praise God. Your, your joy for you isn't that your spouse would finally start doing some of the things you asked them to do, right? Like, joy isn't that your boss would stop losing their minds. Joy isn't that your coworkers would quit annoying you. Joy, joy isn't all the right circumstances. Can I tell you this? Joy isn't you having the right paycheck or the right home. Joy is something that's on the inside, regardless of what's happening on the outside. And God wants us to grab a hold of this truth because, I believe this is so true, far too many of us have confused circumstantial happiness with having unwavering joy. We think if the circumstances are right, I have joy, and if the circumstances aren't right, I don't have joy. No, if the circumstances are right, you could have happiness, but it doesn't have anything to do with your joy. Joy is something that God wants to put on the inside. That's why you, we all know people that are happy for no reason and they annoy you. Right? My brother Tommy is one of these people. He, if you don't know, I have a Vietnamese brother. He probably was in the parking lot when you pulled up. He has a huge smile, right? And he's just happy for no reason all the time. Like, he, like, just, like you, you don't see Tommy having a bad day ever, man. And it, like, and, and, and if you knew Tommy's story, it's crazy. I mean, the dude is a cat. He has nine lives. Now, he's used eight of them already. He got in motorcycle wrecks. You got on there. So like, he, he's, he's running out. All right. So he needs to calm down. He's got a little ways to go. But all that to say is like the dude's just got so much joy. And listen to me. If you get around him, it's also infectious. Like if you hang out around Tommy long enough, you don't know why, but you're smiling differently than you were before. And what if God wanted all of us to live that way? To where we created that kind of impact. And I think that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians said this in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. He says, we are sorrowful. We have sorrow in our life. But guess what? We're always rejoicing. He said, we're poor, but we're making others rich, right? We have nothing. Yet, even though we may not have all the things we want, 
Even though we may not have the job or the car, even though we may not have the degree that we're trying, the job that we hoped we'd have, the income, whatever, if the marriage that we were looking for, even though we may not have those things, guess what? Because we have Jesus and we have joy, we still possess everything. In other words, it's not about those things. It's about something else. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because joy in your life is something God wants for you. But it is something you're going to have to work on. It is something you're going to have to choose. So you're going to have to choose joy. Which is why we're talking about walk this way. Because it's like, hey, come over here and see the joyous life that you could have. And the first thing I want you to understand about joy is that joy has a competitor. Joy in your life. It has a competitor. There is something in your life that is competing for the joy in your life. How many guys know when there's an opportunity for joy to rise, there's also something else rising? Come on, anybody? Yes. Anybody ever been frustrated before? Yes. Right? Anybody ever been disappointed before? Right? There, anytime there's an opportunity to choose joy, there's always an opportunity to choose something else. Yes. And so that's why it's important that you understand that joy always has a competitor in John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He, he has an agenda. There's a competitor. There's, he has an agenda to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But here, what does he say? I came that you would have life. And, and, and there's an eternal life that Jesus wants you to have. So don't get me wrong. Jesus is on mission for eternity in heaven. But there's also a life here that he wants you to have more abundantly. So it's not just that he wants, he, he's just worried about your eternity. Can I tell you something? He's worried about your tomorrow. And he wants you to have joy today and tomorrow. But again, why? We go back to Isaiah because he wants to be glorified through our lives. He wants people to look at us and go, I don't know what they got, but whatever that is, I want some of it. And when you talk to him and you say, what I have is I've got Jesus changing some things on the inside regardless of what goes on on the outside. And so we have access to something that they don't have. So John 10, 10, that you would have it. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, God is speaking to the Israelites, and he says them, he says this to them, and I don't want you to grab a hold of this. He says, today I have given you the choice, the choice, say choice, the choice between life and death. The choice between blessing and curses. So guess what that means? That means you, you can have it all going on, but you're going to have to make the choice right? And he says this, he says, now I call on heaven and earth, right? To witness the choice you make. In other words, he's saying, I'm, you're going to put a flag on the ground and all of heaven and earth is going to know what you're choosing today. I'm calling heaven and earth to watch you, to witness what choice you make. But this is what he wants. So he, he says, I'm giving you the option. I'm leading you there. But here's what he says. But oh, that you would choose life. Like, God, God wants us to choose life. But how many guys know that can be hard, right? I just want to give you a few joy killers real quick. This isn't the whole message. I just want to give these to you right here because I feel like I might could help you. Some joy killers. The first one that will rob you from joy very quickly is comparison. Comparison. As long as you're looking at what other people have and not what God has given you, you'll always feel like you're losing out on something else. Like you, you, you could, man, you could come home feeling good about life. You get on Instagram or TikTok and you got a best friend vacationing in Paris. And you're like, God, how come I'm not in Paris? Some of y'all are like, y'all got friends in Paris? What are y'all, <laughs> what are y'all doing? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like you, 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 you feel good about where God, and then all of a sudden somebody posts, they just got a new car. You're like, man, God, I've been wanting a different car. Why? You were fine with what you had until you realized somebody else got something better. 
And now if you're not careful, just like all of us, you could start comparing what you have with what God's given somebody else. But can I tell you something? You don't know what God brought them through to get them to that place. You don't know what they've gone through for the last three years, five years, ten. You don't know the sacrifices they've made. All you know is they're somewhere that I wish I could be. And here's the problem with comparison. Because if you're not careful, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll start pursuing what they have. The problem with pursuing what they have is by the time you get it, guess what they're at? Somewhere else. And you'll find yourself on a never-ending treadmill of the second thing, which is ingratitude. You'll find yourself constantly chasing something because you lack the gratitude in your life. The other joy killer is ingratitude. Because then what are we doing? We're telling God, I'm not grateful for where you have me. I just wish I was somewhere else. I'm not, I'm not grateful for where I am. And, and I think, man, many of us, listen, you may not be where you want to be, but by the grace of God, you're not where you could be. Come on, somebody. I said, you may not be where you want to be. I wish I was in a different this. I wish I had a different that. But listen to me, you could be somewhere else. Like, can we all acknowledge in this room for just a minute, we've made some decisions that should have had a much worse outcome for us. So maybe we should be grateful for where we are rather than blaming God for where we're not. So ingratitude can rob you of joy. And then the third thing I think is so important is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will rob the joy from your heart. Because you can't see the goodness through your pain. And we're going to do a whole message on unforgiveness uh, next month in the next series. But I'm here to tell you today, if, if you'll start being grateful for where you are, it'll change how you see joy. Right? And so we have to understand that, that joy is a choice. Right? And so we have, we have to see joy for what it is. It has a competitor, but we're going to start choosing joy. But the second thing you have to understand is that joy has a way of impacting others. Joy has a way of impacting others. How many of you know some people that when you get around them, you just feel better? Right? How many of you know some people when you get around them, you don't feel better? Right? Joy has a way of impacting others. Like joy has a way of being contagious. And that's why in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, again, it says this. Today, we, we just read this, but I want to show you what it says at the end. Today, I have given you a choice between life and death, right? Between blessings and curses. We read that already. Now, I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. And this is the last part. Are you ready? So that you and your descendants might live. Now, this is something God's talking to the Israelites about because they keep going back and forth. What he's saying is there's a legacy and a generational component to what I'm about to introduce for you. There's a promise that goes way beyond today and tomorrow. The years, the decades to come, the generations that are going to come after you, they're going to live in the environment you cultivate today. And I think some of us, we are breeding generational legacies of pessimism for our kids. Like we are creating mentalities of poverty in our children because we're so miserable with the life God hasn't given us. We don't see the life that he has, not realizing that we're raising our kids to be exactly the way we are. And I'm here to tell you today, what if you choose life? Listen, not just for you. What if you started choosing life for you and for the kids that are coming after you? Like, what if you started cultivating an environment for what's coming after you? How could you change not just your home? but to make sure that the generations after you live differently. 
Like God has a desire that we would walk in this and we could see how God wants to do this. Listen, I'll say it this way. Miserable kids come from miserable parents. So we need to change the atmosphere. It was so funny. I was talking to one of our guys just, just outside Norm. He said uh, he was, we were talking about how every generation parents like to complain that the next generation isn't worth anything. You know what I mean? Like, this next generation, they're just, ugh. And that's been going on for every generation since forever, right? Um, but I was on a podcast recently. And they're like, how do you feel about this next generation? And, and there was the, the, the people that were talking were a little bit older than me. And they were like, we just feel like they're not going to be worth anything, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you do realize who raised them, right? Because <laughs> here's the reality. We cultivate the environment we raise people in, right? And so we have, a, we have the opportunity to do this very thing, but it is a choice, right? I'm an unbothered kind of person. I'm telling you right now. I don't care about much, okay? When I'm in church mode, like, when I'm here, I'm here to change the world. So, you know what I mean? Like, we're going we're gonna to change the city. We're going to change the world. We're going to go through hell with a super soaker. Like, we're, we're slaying demons. We're doing the whole thing. All right? Like, when I'm in pastor mode, that's where I am. When I'm not in, like, when we're talking about anything else, I don't care. I don't. You know what I mean? They're like, what do you want to do for vacation? I'm like, I don't care. Where do you want to go? As short of a distance as possible. <laughs> what do you want to do? As little as possible. <laughs> How much money do you want to spend? As little as possible, except for food. Right? So, because, all right, listen, I gave you some joy killers. This isn't your notes, but I'll give it to you for free. You know what we're going to do if you hang out with me? We're going to do three things, right? And I think all of them have involved joy. We're going to eat. Praise God. We're going to eat. We're going to eat good, too. That's just the life I live. You do what you want with your money. I don't care. Number two. We're going to rest. Because I have, listen, I, I'm serious. I have grind season, which is like I, we're changing the world. But when God, when God brings me to a place of rest, I'm resting, baby. What do you want to do? As little as possible. And as short of a distance as possible for as long as possible. And spending as much, as least amount of energy as possible, right? Give me some coffee and a porch and cool weather. I'll do this forever. You know what I mean? So, like we're going to rest. And here's the third thing we're going to do. You don't have to write this down, but you can have it for free. We're going to laugh. It might be at somebody's expense, but we're going to laugh. <laughs> like, I, that, listen, we're going to eat good food. We're going to rest and we're going to laugh. Why? Because, listen, I'm so unbothered. My wife, see, my wife loves to argue. I don't. I just don't. So she'll be like, you know, I'll be telling a story, such and such happened, blah, 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 and, you know, last Thursday, blah, 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 and she'll be like, that was Tuesday. And I've heard some of you do this. We're like, no, it was Thursday. And they're like, no, it was Tuesday. And y'all sit there for five minutes while I'm waiting for you to finish this story, trying to figure out if it was Tuesday or Thursday. No, because remember, and I'm like, is there a reason why it matters that it was Tuesday or Thursday? Or one of y'all just wants to be right that bad? So when, when I'm telling the story, and I was like, it was Thursday. She's like, no, nah, it was Tuesday. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yep. I'm like, all right, you can have it. <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? And then she, she's like, no, remember, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, you can have it, even though it was definitely Thursday. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you can have that. It was Thursday then. And she's like, no, remember, but I'm like, yeah, no, you got it. You got it. And she's like, no, but, and she wants to talk it out. I'm like, no, no, I already, I surrendered already. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> 
right? Like, because if I win, I lose, and if I lose, I lose, so I'd rather just lose now, and we don't have to work, like, but in all seriousness, like, I'm just so, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. All right, then it was Thursday, even though it wasn't, or Tuesday, even though it was, it was like, I don't, why? I'm unbothered. You're not getting, I'm not going to get all riled up over something that don't matter. And some of y'all live in so many other people's business, you're losing joy over everything. You're sacrificing the whole life God wants you to live so that you can be right in other people's worlds that don't care if you're right. So you just got to change that. Let me pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was the whole point of today, actually. No. But in all seriousness, man, like we, you, we, we would all, and I, I'm guilty of this too. Don't get me wrong. There are certain moments that I let things get to me too. You'd be shocked at how if you started living your life being intentional about what matters and doesn't matter, how you could actually hold, hold joy in your heart. And so here's the thing that we have to understand, though, is that joy exists for people who are moving. Joy exists for people who are moving. So me and Nate, we, we play golf quite a bit. We play every Wednesday and Thursday morning uh, because that's when our wives are at work and that's when we're off. <laughs> so, uh, amen. So we're off of work. And so we go out there at 730 in the morning. For the record, there's only one group of people that are playing golf at 730 in the morning on a Wednesday or a Friday. And they're not our age. They are retired. Sometimes they're retired twice. Okay, so, uh, but they're retired. So we'll go out there, we'll play golf. And uh, it's so funny because uh, me and Nate, we, we have like, we have the same three jokes. I'm going to use the term older, not old, just older because they're older than us. The age bracket doesn't really matter, but we'll play, we'll be around older golfers, you know, most of them are guys. And so we go around them. And so we use the same three jokes every time and it hits every time for them. Right. And so we'll be we'll be playing. And there's a term called birdie, which means you, you played one stroke under, which is a good thing for you non-golfers. And so we'll we'll see some old guys and we'll be like, hey, leave some birdies out there for us. And it never fails. The, the older guys are like, <laughs> we'll try. But, you know, like, <laughs> and so like we just we made a conscious decision. Like we and we were joking about the other because I said it to, to another group of old guys. They were right behind older guys. They were right behind us. And uh, said it to him, they were like, <laughs> you know. And Nate looked at me, he was like, every time, bro. Every time. I was like, no, it works every time. Uh, but one thing I noticed about these older guys that are playing golf, some of them are in their late 70s, some of them are in their late 80s. But here's the thing that I realized. You know what they all have? They all have a glow about them when they're out there playing. And you know what I figured out? Because I've, I've, you know, I, I'm 36 now, which I know some of you are like, cool. But I'm, I'm 36 now. I've been around older. I've been around younger. And none of that matters for what I'm about to say. Other than this, I've also been around old people that are bitter and sour and hateful. And you know what, mo- you know what they have in common? Now, I'm getting to a point with this. You know what they have in common? Most of them never do anything. They just sit in their rocking chair until tomorrow. And, and here's what I'm getting at. Joy exists for people who are moving. All those guys that are out there, none of them are ever in a bad mood, at least at the beginning of their round. Come nine holes in. <laughs> that might be different. But they're all, they all have joy. Why? Because they're moving. And, and maybe, you've made this, maybe, maybe you've made this declaration to God before. God, once you get me moving, then I'll, well, then I'll have joy. Then I'll make an impact. Then I'll use my life for something. Then I'll whatever. Well, what if God wants you to start moving first? 
What, what if God's looking at you to get moving before he starts changing rather than him changing things before you get moving? Like, what if that was what God wants for you? Because I'm here to tell you it is. He'll do the work, but he still wants you to do something else. And joy is for people who are moving. In Isaiah 61.3, we read it at the beginning, but I want to read it to you again. And we shrunk it so we could get to the main part I wanted you to see. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And this is what he said, to preach good news, to good tidings, to heal the brokenhearted, give them beauty for ashes. We all remember that. The oil of joy for mourning, give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Those are all the things God wants to do for you. All right, that's, what, that, that's his goal is to bring all of those things into your life. But here's the reason why. They shall. This, that, means you have a, that means he has something for you. They shall rebuild the old ruins that have been torn down. Anybody got some areas of your life or people around you's life that's been torn down by the enemy? They'll rebuild the old ruins. They'll raise up. They'll repair the ruined cities the desolations of many generations. In other words, God's not just going to put joy in your heart so that you can sit on the couch. He wants to put something in you so he can use what he puts in you to make an impact in someone else so that he would be glorified out of your life. That's what God wants for you. But here's the reality. Anybody ever tried to push start a car? Come on, where's, where, where's the previous generations at, right? Come on, this is your opportunity right here. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember push starting a car? Or maybe anybody remember that first time you ran out of gas? Everybody remembers that one. Y'all know, if you, are, if you drive and you ran out of gas, you remember the first time it happened, you're like, I'm never going to let this happen again. <laughs> right? Have you ever tried to help somebody so you had to get in the car and steer it? Anyway, you remember what it, when you tried to turn that steering wheel, but the power steering was out? And you had to be the incredible Hulk to get that thing to turn. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? You're like, you're gritting teeth like never before. You're like, man, I should have taken a protein shake, energy shot. Like, right? you're trying to turn it. You're like, and you get all the way, you're like, whoo. And you look down and the wheel's like, burnt. You know, you're like, and you got to do it again and again. And then, they, like, then you can kind of get the car moving. And then you got to do it the other way because you got to straighten. You're like, you're like, good gracious, this is a lot of work. But have any of you ever, like, got the car moving and then started steering? It's not easy, but it's easier. Because it's easier to get going in the right direction when you're moving forward rather than sitting still. Can I tell you something for your life? It's easier to get going in the right direction. It's easier for God to get you where you're going if you'll just get moving and let him start steering as you go. Some of you are demanding he points you in the right direction before you're willing to get moving. And I'm here to tell you, that's never going to work. Because our God is an active God. He's looking to get you moving somewhere. So maybe if you surrendered to moving forward, then let God get you where you're going. Right? Because here's the reality. People that are always moving are harder to get stuck. And... I'm here to tell you that still people are never filled people. So if you want to be full of joy, joyful people are moving people. That's why we, we all know, like we all know people that are joyful all the time. I talked about my brother, Tommy, never had a bad day. <clears throat> but if you knew his story, you know, he's had some of the worst. He's had more bad days than you've ever had. You just don't know it. Right? 
Why? Because he's a joyful person. But we also know, we've we all been around people, you know, that, we, that rub everybody wrong. Like sister sandpaper, just rubbing everybody the wrong way. Right. We, you, all, you, you know someone right now in your life, they're like an Eeyore. You go up to them, hey, man, how's it going? They're like, well, you know, it's just, we're making it. You're like, brother, it's 730 in the morning. What could have possibly gone wrong? Like, we just walked into work. How bad could it be? You know, life's just a doozy. It's like, maybe for you, you know, like, I was doing great till we started talking to each other. <clears throat> Still, people are never filled people. As long as you're complaining about where you are and sitting in your whatever, you're always going to feel like something's missing, because it is. God wants to do something different inside of your heart. So how do, we're going to wrap up. How do we change it? Well, I talked about the sunrise when we first started, right? The, how the sun's rising. You can see the hue, you see the glow, and, and it's like all of a sudden, finally, it's there. And, you're like, and that, that's kind of how joy has been for many of us. Like there's been opportunities for us to see, oh man, I think there's something on the horizon. Like, and then all of a sudden something great happens. But I think, I think sunsets are a lot like joy also. How many guys have ever seen a beautiful sunset before? right? For the record, way more of you than sunrises. But we've all seen a beautiful sunset. How many of you ever tried to take a picture before? And you were like, oh, let me get to a better spot. Like, I, like you, maybe you're driving and you're like, ooh, if I get to that next parking lot, I can get a picture of it. And it feels like 13 seconds from now, the whole sunset's gone. And you're like, I, what happened? Right? Because I feel like sunsets are a lot like joy too. It's like, it's there. But if you're not intentional with it, it could be gone real fast. And some of us need to grab a hold of hanging on to joy rather than letting it just fall off the end. Like keep it in our hearts, man. That's why if I was going to give you one thing to like kind of cling to your joy. It would be to let your joy be connected to the only thing that can't be taken away from you, which is Jesus. Like let your joy be connected to the only thing that cannot be taken away from you. Because here's the deal. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So rather than rooting our joy in tons of other things, what if we just started rooting our joy in Christ? What if we started rooting our joy in something on the inside rather than something on the outside? And if we did, we could let our joy change, not just our world, but change the worlds of others. Because true joy is infectious and it's contagious. Like, true joy is something that impacts everybody. True joy is unwavering and infectious. I want you to imagine the impact we could have if all of us had that kind of impact everywhere we went. Where we made joy, not just something I want for me, I'm gonna give it away every chance I get. I'm gonna choose joy for me, but I'm also gonna choose to live a life of joy. In Jesus' name. You guys with me today? Let's live it. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you God, we love you today. And we're so grateful that you're the source of joy in our life, not our circumstances, not our situations, not our blessings, not our possessions, God, not even our children or our spouses, our family. Those things, God, they, they may bring about a happiness in our heart and in our soul that is connected to our joy, but it is not our joy. You are our source of joy. So God, I pray that we would realize who you are, and that we would choose to be connected to you. And through that, 
we can see joy rise in our hearts. Let us choose it in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you say, Brad, I, I, uh, I, I, I do need joy. But if I were honest, I need the source of joy. I need Jesus in my life. I, I wouldn't say he's my savior or my king. Maybe I know about him, but he's not the Lord of my life. And the beauty of the gospel, the good news, is that even though sin is part of all of our lives, we've all sinned, the Bible said, when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for those sins. And today, you can be forgiven, just like all of us, some of the people around you, you can be forgiven, but all it takes to be forgiven is the grace of Christ that comes through putting your faith in him, that when he died, he paid for your sins. And today, if you want to know him, He's ready to meet you right where you're at, to forgive you and give you a fresh start, just like he did for all of us. And today, if that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is just confessing with your mouth what you're believing in your heart, and that's that he died and paid for your sins to give you a fresh start. So pray this prayer with me, and the whole church will pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that today. We celebrate with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're excited for you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.